Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hello and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. This week's guest is Robin Thede, the former head writer of The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore, the former star of our own late night show, The Rundown with Robin Thede, and currently the star creator and showrunner of A Black Lady Sketch Show. I should warn you, Robin's about to take you to school. Uh, this is Robin's sketch writing masterclass. Robin knows what she's talking about, as she has been writing and filming sketches for about 30 years now, starting with home videos as a tween. She did sketch at Northwestern, she studied sketch at Second City. For her first 10 years or so in LA, she was always in one sketch group or another, which led to opportunities writing for, appearing in, and contributing to six sketch shows or pilots. Even after her audition for SNL didn't lead to her joining the cast, she remained loyal to sketch, which just doesn't happen. Either because of perceived immaturity or industry pressure, considering how few sketch opportunities there are, comedians just don't really stick with sketch. But Robin did because she really, really loves it. And there are sketches on a Black Lady sketch show that exhibit all the time in practice. The best sketches on the show are the best written sketches being put on TV right now, period. That includes the sketch we're about to play, What Up, I'm Three, from the show's third season. We'll include a link to watch the sketch in our show notes, but I think with the audio you can really focus on the construction, which is legitimately ingenious. Quickly, Sky Townsend is playing the mother, Ash Nicole Black is playing her wife, Gabrielle Dennis plays her friend, and Robin plays Annie, the new baby. So, here is Robin Thede. Oh, Jerry! Ah! Oh, you must be a finger painting for my new baby girl because I am so glad you made it. Oh, I'm so oh, proud of you and Harlan adopting a baby in this fucking world. I, I mean, know. wow. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait for you to meet her. Harlan, go get baby Annie. You're gonna quit hollering at me. Oh, she is so amazing, okay? She's only three, but she already speaks fluent English. Well, I would hope so. You did get her from here, right? America? Yeah, but she's adopted, so who knows what else they taught her. Harlan, baby, come on, put a little pep. Oh, here she comes, here she comes. Brace yourselves. What up, I'm three. I know, come on, slowly. Okay, you see all the people? Look, say hi. What up, I'm three. <laughs> Thank you all for coming to our sip and see for baby Annie. Yeah, I'm gonna need a lot more sips to see my way through this party. Are you shy? <laughs> it's been a long two years, but we are so happy we traded our baby Ben's for a baby Bjorn. Okay, but that baby was Bjorn 30 years ago. What up, Bob Three? Oh my gosh, Jerry, so you see it too. She is such an old soul. She's been here before, but you know what's crazy? No, 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 not anymore. She was actually a preemie. Oh, okay. Yes. By preemie, do you mean pre-med? You're so silly. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Show Auntie Jerry how old you are. What up, I'm three. Baby Einstein who? I tried to enroll her in so many pre-K programs, but none of them will accept her. She's just too smart. 
Okay, hold up. I got a question. Uh-huh. Okay, you know you adopted an adult, right? What up, Bob Three? Or is this one of those cruel pranks from the overworked child welfare system? That's what this is. That's what I said. I said, who knew CPS had jokes? <laughs> I'm the only person who sees this shit, right? Oh, so it's just me and Harlan? Oh, don't put me in it. Girl, grow a backbone. I'm not gonna change what I said, okay? That is not a baby. That is a voter. Ma'am, are you a Democrat or a Republican? What up, Bob Three? Uh-huh. A goddamn independent. Now, see, that's why we lost no four, because I know you was dead, bitch. I know you was dead. Oh, oh, oh Jerry, oh, this is a baby! Oh, Harlan, pick her up! Harlan, put her on your lap. Lappy times. Lappy times. Yes. Why are you acting like this? I mean, I swear to God, I hate that I'm saying this, but I don't even know why we're friends anymore. Because I gave you my kidney, bitch. You are over here talking shit about my child in my backyard. Girl, I would never talk shit about a child, but I will talk some shit about a grown-ass woman. Oh, my God. Right Baby, there. come here. I can't. I'm sorry. It's okay, honey. Show Auntie Jerry how you count. That always makes you feel better. One, two, what about three? Charlene. You look crazy, girl. You're just saying that because you don't have a child of your own. Don't touch my child. Neither do you, bitch. All I see is adults. Three motherfucking adults, yeah. okay? This is not a family. This is a thruple. What up, I'm three? What up? What up? What up is your cholesterol, bitch? What up is your motherfucking credit score, bitch? That's what's up. Now you're three years from collecting Social Security. You're about to do one to three years from personating the child after report your ass. Enough, I'm Jerry. calling somebody. That is enough. You know how bad Harlan and I wanted to have a baby. No, I didn't. What? I have never once said, let's have a baby. And if I did, that don't have nothing to do with this grown bitch. What up, Bob? Three. Bitch, if you don't stop, I, can't, uh, I don't know why she's at my house. We have this miracle of a child. And, and this is how you act? Uh, she's literally smoking. What up? I'm three. Look what you've done, Jerry. You have stressed this child out so much that she picked up smoking? Picked up? She looks pretty good at it. You know what? Get out! You gonna kick me out? When this bitch is old enough to buy me tickets to go see, get out! Annie, please see Auntie Jerry out. Don't see me off a of shit. I'll see my damn self out. Fuck all that. Baby Jane looking ass. Gonna kick me out for telling the motherfucking truth. That's some bullshit. You know that's when I'm gonna take this wine. That. Oh, you little shit. That's right, Jerry. You not gonna blow this for me, okay? I'm about to rob this place tonight. You know what? And if you, uh, don't tell Charlene I might cut you in. Get that is not- Fuck out, Jerry! <laughs> Fine. You know what? Fuck it. 30%. What up is the deal? So, uh, I am here with Robin Thede. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Jesse. Happy to be here. I'm so excited. I love this sketch. This sketch is like really, really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for uh, What Up, I'm Three, what was, the, what was the initial spark or observation? Like, what was the first thing that got the sketch to be, even exist or even think about exploring? Okay, so this sketch has a really interesting story, and I've been trying to do it for years. So oh, great. pre-COVID, a couple of years, not like 30 years, oh, God, but a couple of years. So pre-COVID, I read this story about a British couple who had adopted a child mm. that they thought was in the single digits, and that child was a grown woman. 
And so I was literally mortified and also highly entertained. The story itself is actually really sad. I think she tried to like murder one of the parents. But when she got her period, they were like, maybe she's not six. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I um, had pitched a, an original sketch where uh, – I told my writers, I said, okay, there's this British couple and this they, they adopted a child and the child was really an adult. So what if I do this kid and she's just like, you know, they're having like a sip and see, which is something that black people do to show the baby. We drink, we drink and we show the baby. You sip alcohol and you see the baby. Mm -hmm. And so I said, what if there's like a sip and see and um, the mom is just really convinced that the baby is a child, but no one else is, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I came up with the catchphrase. That was like, the kid just comes in and is like, what up, I'm three, you know? But it's like, clearly the child is not three. She's full grown. Um, so I pitched that to my writers to dead silence. Mm. <laughs> and they were like, something's wrong with you. They were laughing at the story, but they were like, I don't know. That just, I mean, I think some of them were into it. Some of them were like, you've lost it. Mm-hmm. So I pitch it to our EPs and to HBO, just kind of in passing. And some of them are into it, but like the head of comedy, Amy, Amy Gravit, who I am obsessed with at HBO, was like, you got to do it. It's hilarious. You got to do it. So I was like, okay, the writers weren't really into the sip and see version. Let me try if I should do, because I'm, I'm all about impressing my own writers, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 I'm the showrunner. I created it. But if they're not laughing, I'm like, oh, it's trash. It so, is funny that you that you went to your writers and then you are the boss but you're like i got I know. I, you go i have to go over their head where yeah. like you are that's you yeah. no i i know it's you so went true. to the top yeah but it's like if they don't if they don't love it then they're the audience that it starts with right mm -hmm. they're the black ladies that that it starts with so anyway so then i wrote a much more layered steampunk futuristic adoption version of the sketch mm -hmm. and we read it Again, to complete silence. Sure. <laughs> they were like, no. <laughs> so I, I, then we got shut down in March of 2020, before five days before we were shooting season two. So by the time we came back in the fall, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that sketch. It requires like actual kids at, in that version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, it didn't work, whatever. They hated it. And then season three, I was like, let me go back to the sip and see version where it's just stripped back. It's normal. And the issue that I had, and they were right, is that the other characters weren't as dynamic. Yeah. And it was all about Annie just going, what up, I'm three, what up, I'm three. But she doesn't really say much more than that. So that's why it just, it didn't feel like there was enough meat on the bone. Yeah. So I went. And I said, okay, what do I know? Let me go back to my sketch roots. I know better than this. Um, and so I gave games to all the rest of the people in the party, that much more so, right? Yeah. Initially, they were just kind of like, she's not three, but the sketch didn't really go anywhere. It didn't have any, you know, dimensions. So we made the um, couple have their own issues. Like one of them mm -hmm. said, yes, we're going to adopt. And the other one was clearly like, I never said that. So was very blindsided by the fact that there was now a three-year-old slash 30-year-old in the house. Um, and then Gabrielle's character of Jerry uh, just really came to life. She added so much to it. It was great on the page in the final version that we ended up with. But when she started going in and just so her character's job is obviously to 
get the mom who is deliriously mm-hmm. oblivious to the fact that her child is a grown adult. Um, her job is to convince her that this is an adult. But we know in comedy, the best things are two immovable forces yeah, yeah. smashing against each other. So uh, the mom is not going to break. Jerry's not going to break. Um, and in the end, we of course, we find out that Annie is a grown adult uh, uh, masquerading as a child in order to commit burglaries and the like. So, yeah, yeah there, it really came together. <laughs> yeah, there's so much there. I, well, I think I want to you said one thing, which I think is it underlines what's so interesting about the sketch, which it's like when you hear what the like the one line of what the sketch is, you assume one thing. And then it's like mm. I, I it's like it's almost like the game is inverse, which is like the unusual character for the most part is staying, it's kind of the straight man. Yeah. <laughs> it's staying constant. And then the yeah. other characters are sort of intensifying. Yes. And it is like in, in some ways, like Sky's character is what would be like the traditional unusual character, the person yeah. who's believing it. Everyone else is like being yeah. kind of normal. Yeah. How, how did you think about that? Like, how do you, you're like, Oh, like how do I heighten if the weird character, the person that comes into the world is actually like, playing it so straight like and, yeah. and has to for the story to make sense has like, to yeah has to and the good thing is like we try really hard on the show to not have any like typical straight man characters mm. like comedy version of straight man yeah, not yeah. like relating to how the world yeah sees yeah, yeah, it yeah um so um we try really hard not to because i feel like if everybody has a really strong comedic game then the sketch is going to keep you laughing until you're doubled over and you're not going to be able to breathe. I mean, that's my whole goal is I want people like in pain from laughing. (laughs) Right. So, um, I just keep thinking about it. Like, okay, if no one's a straight man, then if the constant is that really over the top character, because she already has a catchphrase, she already has a gimmick in the way that she's built, right? Mm-hmm. She's already in a full grown adult masquerading as a three-year-old, which we know is absurd on its own. So it didn't feel like the heavy lifting actually needed to be on her. But I do think an old school way of thinking about sketch is like, oh no, that woman goes around the party and is like, what up, up three to everybody yeah. and like assaults them and like, like really drives it. But I just realized, and this is why it took me two years to do it right, because I was like, Oh, I was thinking about this all the way wrong. She doesn't need to drive this sketch. The funny in this sketch is the situation. Yeah. The character is funny. So we have three types of sketches. Yeah, character driven. Yeah, character driven, concept driven, and situation driven. And really this sketch is situation driven. Yeah. You would think it was character driven. And it's very close second character driven. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is the situation because all the jokes, the comedy engine, the joke engine comes from the absurdity of the situation. And then once I realized that, because I was writing it as a character sketch and I just kept pounding my head against the wall and it wasn't working. And then when I wrote it as a situation driven sketch, it sung. And so that's what I had to do. So the situation basically means the mom is like, well, one of the moms, Sky's character is... um, trying to convince everyone that the the grown adult is a baby. Jerry, Gabrielle's character, is trying to convince everyone the opposite. And Harlan just wants to be left out of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. and then you've got the relationship dynamics. I, that really started to sing for us when we figured out Harlan's role. Uh, Ashley Nicole Black as Harlan, who's the wife of um, Skye's character. Once we figured out she didn't want kids and truly mm-hmm. felt assaulted in her own marriage by the fact that this child was there, it, it really took shape. And then we just got to have fun on the day. Yeah, because otherwise it'd be too easy for Danielle, uh, for Gabrielle and Ashley's character to kind of be saying the Correct. same thing, right? Which is just like this is fake, Correct. right? And then that's so you need it to be like 
all of you need even a person even above this yep. who's like not overreacting just like all of yeah, this is it's just wrong. calling out the fact that everything in this situation is very bad and you know what's funny too our editors took it up a notch even more because um i had swung so far the other way annie only has says what up on three three times in the mm. original sketch in five pages she only says it three times um oh, interesting. and then when we were there on the day i realized I was improvising it a lot more and saying it with like different inflection to mean different things. When you hear Annie yeah. say it, she says it a couple times differently and you're like, oh, she's now she has this emotion. You know, you can kind of in, you can read that on her. So the editors edited it to script yeah, yeah. originally. And I was like, mm, it's funny, but it's not there. And then um, Steph Filo, one of our amazing Emmy award-winning editors, goes, I got it. Let me take another pass. And she just peppered all the what up on threes and more of the improv in there and just really made it sing. And I was like, that's the sketch. Yeah, it's um, it's almost like Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. Very much. <laughs> very much. So to go through the process, like when you're thinking of sketches – are you often character first? Even though, again, as this wasn't a character sketch, like when you are you, you know, like I think when people think of stand up comedians, you can easily imagine how their comedy comes from. It's like I lived a life and this is exactly what happened. Right. Like, what is it like to observe the world in sketches where you're like, you read this, you're like, oh, I can kind of see parts mm -hmm. of it. Oh, I would play the baby. Like, how does that, well, how does your vision work as a person who's been writing in sketch for so long? It's all different. If I was only character first, I feel like my comedy would be kind of one note. Um, mm -hmm. But it's uh, it's 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 the three types we talked about, right? Concept, situation, and character. I tend to fight uh, doing only concept. Actually, we mm -hmm. love asking, "What if? What if this happened? Yeah, yeah, what if these two things yeah. happen?" Because the show is about Black women living grounded experiences in a magical reality. So in a magical reality, anything can happen. So it's like, well, what if you go to a soul food restaurant and it's not actually a soul food restaurant? That's not why the wait is so long. It's actually purgatory. And that's why yeah, yeah, it yeah. takes forever to get the check. You know, um, going back to the original fans deep into yeah. season one. Um, but yeah, we, we tend to fight doing too many of those um, sure. because we also, those aren't as like shareable. They're like, the concepts are interesting. Like, well, writers love, writers love that. She loves we that. love to make, and we have so many narrative writers, right? We have the, all these amazing narrative writers. So it's like, we love to create these worlds, but I think especially in season four, we're focusing more on the like broader, Black Lady Courtroom, Chris, mm. Annie, Trinity, Dr. Hadassah, like, but more, but more. The, even yeah, the yeah, new yeah. characters Roxy mentions, that kind of stuff. But we've created this Black Lady cinematic universe, right? And so now that we know that, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the finale, Dr. Hadassah has been mind controlling the women the whole time and that all <laughs> these characters exist in this multiverse. Now the characters can start to meet. It started in the oh, finale. Yeah, it started in the finale with Trinity and Octavia meeting, which are two characters who had never been in a sketch before. Um, uh, one is a spin class exercise instructor and mm. one is the CIA's best agent uh, only because she's so normal looking. Um, and so she's invisible. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, so now in season four, now that we've kind of broken that world open and people understand that the end of the world wasn't the end of the world, but that the world they live in isn't the world you and I mm -hmm. know, because what world elects Dr. Hadassah as president? 
now we get to play with that cinematic universe and these characters get to meet each other and interact in really crazy ways. So I'm excited to see like who Annie, the what up on three girl, like what is she doing now mm. and who does she get to meet? Yeah, that's inter- it, it ends up being, it's the same thing that happened. Like, I don't know if other, Kroll Show did it. And I'm trying to think of any other sketch show. I mean, I, like really they're like, oh, well now we have these characters. We might as well like fully just see them have arcs, but still like, it's that interesting thing of. I mean, I think a lot of shows have done arcs, but I don't know if they've had disparate characters meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then also, I think it's the idea of how do you keep a sketch vocabulary while also doing like narrative vocabulary? Like, like where scenes feel like sketches. I think it's an interesting uh, space to be in. So, talk about building a character. Like, so you had this thing. Yeah. You're like, I get to play a baby. Yeah. Right. I think. I think some sketch comedians, they can play characters that are extensions of parts of themselves or extensions of things that they want to heighten, blah, blah, blah. It seems like there's like sort of no boundaries of like, oh, yeah, I'll play a baby. Like they're sort of like, yeah, I'll play. Of in this episode, you play two different women. You play a, a wrestling announcer. You play. Oh, that's a man. Baby. <laughs> yes. I, I, didn't it, I didn't know. I wasn't sure the gender. Knock a few buck is a man. Yeah. No, then I didn't so, do a good job. The mustache didn't give it away. <laughs> no, I knew it was a man. I knew it was a man. <laughs> to be fair, some women have mustaches. I don't want to discriminate. Exactly. So how do you build a character? What does it start? Do you start with a voice? Do you start with an image? Do you start with the idea? And then, like, how do you flesh out a person like the, yeah. this baby? Well, she's not a baby. Thank you for giving her that compliment. <laughs> yes. But she's a grown-ass woman. Um, yeah, I think for Annie in particular... I thought of the idea of, okay, this woman is obviously psychotic. She's also a criminal. Um, you know, mm-hmm. she's has a very deep voice. She smokes, you know. Um, uh, she, I, I think of her as the, um, she's kind of two different things. So remember the baby in Roger Rabbit? <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. smoked a cigar. <laughs> like I was like, oh, that's crazy. So I think of her as kind of cartoonish in that way. But um, so I was like, okay, so she's definitely gonna have like a mob type deep voice when she actually does speak in her normal voice. But for the baby part, for the three-year-old mm-hmm. part, I was like, okay, kids always have colds. Their nose is always running. They're always super nasally and like, oh, Bob, Bob, can I? Uh? So I wanted to kind of incorporate that but mix that with the deepness that she can't get out of her voice. Mm-hmm. And so it ends up being, what up, Bob three. So there's still a little bit of depth in it. Um, not quite as high as a kid nasal, but still the nasally of like a snotty nose three-year-old. That's where it came from. And then the, the what up, Bob three with the hand was just yeah. like, she doesn't know how to really count. So she uses her thumb and her forefinger and her middle finger, as opposed to the normal three, which is your first three fingers. Just something stupid. And if you notice when she reaches out to her mom, she uses those same fingers. So like that for me was inspired by the penguin because mm-hmm. I think about the penguin from Batman and he has three digits and that kind of, so I was like, okay, let me just do everything with those three digits. I don't know. I don't know if this makes sense to anyone, but it made sense to me. <laughs> Well, that's kind of what you're trying to capture. What's interesting is like you have to think of the adult first, right? So you have to with play this the, character, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're like, okay, I'm playing this adult who's playing, who's this, playing character. this character. Yeah. So how exactly. this 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 adult is worse at playing characters than I am? So like, how would they do? <laughs> that's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah, but it is. It is the layers of it all. Yeah, I had I, to think about that. I heard once that you draw your characters. Yes. Is this true? Yeah. What does that look like? How do, I'll and show how does you right that... now, and then I'll describe it for the people at home. Do you want Chris or Dr. Hadassah? Dr. Hadassah, okay. I think it's more exciting. That's right, it's me, Dr. Hadassah Olayinka Ali Young. Google me, then throw your smartphone in the trash. It's making you stupid. Shoot, shoot, shoot. 
5G was created to infiltrate our brains with the devil's propaganda. TikTok. TikTok, you're wasting your fertile years on the ground. The only 5Gs I recognize is the five bloods. Five triumphant black men going back to steal the oppressor's gold from Asia. Meanwhile, in this country, the only way five black men can gather is if they're playing basketball. I have them on my wall because my old head writer, Lauren Ashley Smith, framed these for me. So you'll actually see how I draw my characters. Uh, this is so bad on an audio interview, but basically, <laughs> so she framed it alongside Dr. Hadassah. But mm -hmm. basically, you'll see on, so there's a very crude drawing where I have an inch long legs and a six inch long torso. <laughs> Proportions are very bad. I draw like Annie, a three year old. Um, and so I drew my face and um, a head wrap with faux locks hanging out. And I, I wrote, faux locks, blonde in all caps. <laughs> And then I wrote dark green turtleneck and pointed to the turtleneck I drew. I wrote Africa belt buckle, which never did happen because I ended up wearing skirts, not pants, which we decided. Mm. Although this says ankle length skirt, but I don't know why I thought I was putting a belt on a skirt. And then um, I wrote green eyes and pointed to my own eyes that I drew, which is stupid. But the point of that was I didn't want to wear contacts. As the mm -hmm. character, this was first season when I thought I was going to wear contacts for some characters, and then I realized I don't like contacts. Um, and so every character just has green eyes. Uh, mm -hmm. If you can't tell who the character is, just look and see. <laughs> and then I wrote high African print head wrap. So um, that is that is the original vision of the character, and that's exactly what she ended up looking like, except for the Africa belt buckle. So you just present this to your team, like, make yeah. this into a thing. I took it to hair, makeup, and wardrobe, and I said, this is what I want her to look like. And they said, fine, copy exactly sure. that. But it's not always that easy. Um, sometimes I draw them and they're like, no, we want to do this. So, but only because they have a better idea. Um, yeah. But it does, I try to draw them because I'm a very visual person. Um, I'm a horrible drawer, artist. But um, but it helps me kind of figure it out. Like there is a character, Selena Duplass from season two, who I play that has a receding hairline. And I just took a screenshot of a, of a day player that was on an old episode of murder. She wrote, and I was like, give me this hair. <laughs> so sometimes I don't have to draw it. And that just stuck with you. This person's hair, like, Oh, instantly for years. I had that photo on my phone for like two years. And I was like, I have to use this in some way. That's that's I collect things like a troll. Like I just yeah. collect my little diamonds and leave them on my phone or draw them in a notebook. Um, I now have this really cool notebook where you have this pen and you draw in the notebook and it mm. makes a PDF. Have you seen those things? They're I feel really like I saw cool. them on Shark Tank. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So, yeah, it, they're dope. Are they called rocket notebooks or something like that? I have no idea, but Got it's it. very cool. And so now I draw my characters in that and I can just email the PDF right away. I also do set set design that way, like set things that I want to send to our production design team. I'm like, it should look like this. The layout should look That's like it. this. That's amazing. You um, you mentioned hair. And so there was recently an article in The Hollywood Reporter oh, about all the yes. hair on the show. And so good. it's great because it had the stats. And I, I want to read some of them, which is so there's been 36 sketches, which meant 148 hairstyles for just the main cast and over 300 for background players, which is unbelievable. Yeah. It's uh, over 92 wigs, 115 wigs for background people. Um, I think it's I can't remember. I lost 30 the packs of braiding hair and 12 ponytails. I know yes. all the stats. 20 yes. bundles of human hair. So and 20 bundles. And that's PS just season three. That's just season three and not a single hairstyle repeated. 
Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, like most most sketch comedians I've talked to, wigs are very, very important. It is like ha- a lot of characters come come from wigs, but this is like. But now you have black next, women in the mix. Yeah, yeah. So it's like really <laughs> the next level. Like, I don't understand how are they not nominated for an Emmy? I really don't get it because no one's doing what we're doing. That's what this question is for. So, can you talk about what the conversations are like with your hair department and how they inform characters and how they, you know, this sketch in particular? I think. Your character's hair is specific, um, and Ashley's character's hair is particularly Oh, my God. Specific. And that was a handmade dreadlock wig <laughs> that was incredibly tight on her head that day. Poor Ashley. She was like, this hurts. Well, because Ashley has a really hard time because she has so much natural hair. Mm. She was, when she, I remember first season, she goes, how are they going to put wigs over this? Like, and I was like, they'll find a way. And they do every year. And it's amazing. Um, Nikki Wright for our first two seasons and Siobhan Brown for season three and now going into season four have just been geniuses, just geniuses. Mm -hmm. So um, for this character, for Annie, you know, I was like, okay, we want to do like pigtails, but like a a take on it. And so we did the banded uh, Mm -hmm. long pigtails. Just, you know, a really ridiculous play on an adult looking baby. Um, you know, I think that's what we're always thinking about. It's not hair for hair's sake. It's hair for comedy's sake, right? Yeah, yeah. So Nuck F.U. Buck has, it's like, oh, well, he's a dude with a big handlebar mustache, but what if he has a big, like, half up, half down, top knot, gorgeous, like, silky wavy hair, just because he's a character, right? We thought, we think about wrestling. That sketch is called WTF Wrestling. It's about texting um, styles as WWE yeah. wrestlers, right? Welcome to the World Texting Federation! So we were like, okay, well, think about Randy Macho Man Savage and think about, you know, all these wrestlers who have had this luxurious hair or these big personalities. And we wanted to kind of think about it in that way. So they're really great about um, collaborating with us in terms of um, the comedy and finding new levels to it with the hair. I mean, they've done things that we we didn't even dream about when we were writing or or when we started developing our characters as actors. All the actors in the cast do mood boards or, or send suggestions for what they want their characters to look mm. like. Sky's really good about that. She is like, here is the exact hair I want, and it'll be like a circus clown. And we're like, Sky. Your character is just an accountant. She's like, I don't care, um, which is really great. And it brings so much. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's like the hair, it's 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 figuring out the balance of like the hair is not a joke, even when it's heightened. It's like it's heightened in the same world of this character. Like, well, it's like grounded. Peel, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You it's know, like, we try to ground it. Even when it's wild, we try to ground it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned characters. One thing I... I heard you mention that you don't necessarily write all sketches knowing exactly who's going to be each part. And sometimes there's like an internal audition process. Was this a sketch 
where you knew who was going to be which? How did the sort of... Oh, uh, yeah. We, we knew I was playing Annie. Well, yeah. that I knew. That was clear, but it meant for everybody else. How did no. it develop? Yeah. No, no. That was in... So we have, like, round-robin auditions. I hate that my name is in that, because every time I say it, I feel like people are like, this bitch named the auditions after herself. Um, uh, it's just the phrase, guys. I don't know what else to call it. Sure. Give me another name. Uh, but, yeah. So once we finish all our scripts, a week or two before our big network table reads, the cast gets the scripts. They don't get that long with them. <laughs> they get, like, yeah, yeah, a week, yeah. maybe two, but that's it. And And there's, you know, hundreds of parts, so... Um, there's usually about 120 for the main cast, but then there's, you know, others for guest stars and stuff. But, um, so we read through all the scripts, obviously with recurring characters, the actors already know, and I'm talking to my cast all the way through the writing process. None of them at this point are in the writer's room. We haven't had another writer performer in the writer's room since season two when Ashley was writing, but season three, I'm the only writer performer in the room and same as season four. So, um, uh, I just talk to them all the time. And I tell them what's coming up and and then they meet with the writers um, and then send me stuff as they're thinking about it over the course of the writer's room. But then, yeah, like a week or two before the table reads, they get all the scripts, they get 300 plus pages of scripts and they got to go through all those characters. And I'm like, here's the ones you're reading for. Like, here's the ones that are open. And then here's the ones that are yours already, which they already know. And then um, here's the ones that are open. I think this season it's going to be a lot less of open characters because, um, it's just so easy to write for the yeah. cast now. We just know what everybody can do so well. Um, and they've all been so, you know, collaborative. So, but, the, but there'll still be a lot. There'll still be plenty that we have to, and I auditioned for my mm-hmm. own show. Um, I was talking to Robert Townsend about this before I even met Sky, and who is his daughter, for those of you who don't know. Um, and, uh, and I told him, I said, well, how did you do it? You know, when you were doing sketch and, and, you know, I remember the bold, the black, the beautiful, you know, that he was doing with Partners in Crime back in the day at HBO. And he was like, no, we just wrote for the people who were yeah, going to yeah. play the parts. And I was like, oh, yeah, we don't do I that. Think most people we do make that. ourselves audition. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone does, to be honest. I think everyone writes for the actors. And we do some of it. But like, if it's a new character, it's a yeah. free for all. But I think that's fun. Like, we like seeing what the other... First of all, we really like each other. So it's like, when we do those round robins, it's just us. It's just us in there and the head writer. And that's it. It's closed. It's not like it's like, you know, in front of other people or it's not on tape. Like, it's just a very like, oh, you try this. Now I'll try this one. And then we just Mm -hmm. switch, you know, and it's just kind of... Um, we all try the different parts and then we'll literally go, yeah, Sky got that one, you know, or whatever. I mean, of course, me and the head writer make the yeah. ultimate decision, but you can pretty much tell in the room who yeah. got what um, or who really wants something. Sometimes an actor will say, OK, I don't know if I really have this character yet, but I really, really want this thing. And if we can work it out, it works it's, out. Yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, like, um, can you think yeah. of either? Well, either if you remember it with this sketch, the machinations of that or in any sketch when there was like a particularly competitive um, audition for a part that multi- either multiple people wanted or just multiple people were good at. And it was a matter of like deciding. Oh God. It doesn't get competitive yeah. weirdly. Cause it does feel like set up that way. It would, I think we're all rooting for each other and we all make each other laugh so much. We're just like, 
like the only com yeah it's not competitive some people will just go i really yeah. really want this one um like for instance with this sketch we had no idea who was going to play who and any yeah, one yeah, of them yeah, could yeah, have yeah. been any one of these roles except for harlan that was clearly Ash. why T talk about um, it. like i mean like i i I don't know. It was just so perfect. She just nailed it. As soon as she did, we all read it and I think she was last. And when she read it, we were like, oh, <laughs> done. Like we all just, so I don't yeah. even know if she finished reading the part. We were just like, oh, that's yours. Done. <laughs> like, um, that was the same way with Gabrielle and Mary Magdalene in the Last Supper and the Resurrection sketches. Now, Jesus is supposed to rise from the dead. And I'm sitting here looking at the backs of heads. Oh, oh God. Lord have mercy. Oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> ladies, you made it. Hey, Mary. Mary. What are you doing way back here? You told us to stand here. Oh, Ruth, are you Lot's wife? No. Why? Because you're so salty. Hey, Mary, <laughs> I heard you're doing a lot with the disciples' pillars now that Jesus is gone. Hardly. And he's not gone. He's going to resurrect any minute. It's too bad that you guys won't be able to see it all the way from back here. Must have to be short and poor. Mm. Wait. What does us being poor have to do with how well we can see? Oh, I wouldn't know. You should ask a leper. Those run in your family, don't they, Hannah? Your dad, maybe? What'd you just say? Now, oh boy. It's my mom, Mary? And you knew that. That's right. They favor so much. <laughs> I feel like for somebody who's always standing right next to Christ, you don't be listening when he be talking. At all. Why aren't you nice? Why are you coming for her leper mom? I'm not coming for her. Just stating that. What's up with this resurrection anyway? Oh, my Mary? God. When she read that part, I I think the rest of us, I said, does anyone else want to read? And we were all like, nope. <laughs> it's just yeah. clear. It's just clear. And Sky with Roxy mentions the double negative, you know, positively double negative private eyes. Finna not not solve your case since 1997, Miss Thing. Look here. Now what you singles are not finna do is act like virgins. It's an open bar. So don't not turn up. A drink your drink. A drink your drink. I'm your host, Roxy mentions. And I do not want to welcome you to the 25th annual Mingling with Mention Singles event. It will not be a good time. She ha she added this New Orleans accent and was able to do those double. When we read those double negatives, we were like, one, two, three, not it. Like <laughs> that, we knew that was gonna be hard. And Sky was like, I I don't really do a New Orleans accent, but I want to try. We were like, yeah. And then she did it, and she was like, how was that? And we were like, uh, well, you definitely got the part. Mm -hmm. So great. Um, but she didn't feel confident about it. And I said, we've well, got a couple weeks, you'll figure it out. And she did. She was great. I mean, she yeah. was great when she read it, but, um, we're all perfectionists. So I think we judge ourselves more harshly than others, but yeah, sometimes you just don't know. And honestly, sometimes it could have been any one of us truly for all these parts. And it's kind of like, well, who's already in this sketch and then it's process of yeah. elimination. Um, that's, what's nice about having a cast. that's like Jack of all trades. I mean, there's only four of us in season three. You know, it's a really well. There's only four in season one. There's just a really small. Is there? There's small, a four in season four. Yeah, I guess we had five in season two. Is there four in season huh? four? Or you can't say. All right. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's okay, seventy-five. Just... I don't know. Um, not saying, but um, but you know, I don't really say much of anything before we. I like. I don't even tell people when the show is coming out. I'm just like, by now they should be able to guess, but um. Every season, I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you'll see the trailer well, yeah, when the trailer comes COVID, out. But with the second yeah. season, I assume you don't want to jinx it and be like, oh, yeah, it's going to come out at the same time. And then there'll be a you know pandemic in the middle. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Totally. Um, but yeah, we don't we don't. But also, like, you know, a lot of shows will will the 
actors and producers and writers will put up pictures from set while they're shooting or the writer's room or whatever. Sometimes I'll put up a writer's room picture, mm. but I do it way later than when we wrote. So it's always in a nebulous time. Like, mm, when did that happen? Um, but we'd never post pictures from set while we're shooting. We never tell people when we're in production. Um, a, for safety reasons, because we shoot on location and we could show up anywhere. And so we want to be a little stealthy. Um, but we take over yeah, yeah, beauty yeah, yeah. supply shops like next to people's houses, you know, so we got to be like, especially when we're in character, we have to really be careful about walking around. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, as secretive as we are, we try to give all of those secrets yeah, yeah, yeah. away once the season is out. You know, because I think that's what people want to see. But I also don't want to give characters away. Like, I don't want to show pictures of characters from set. And then people are like, oh, snap, Annie's yeah. back or Trinity's back or the Coralies are back. Like, I don't want people to know. I want them to be surprised. I have people tell me the trailer is giving too much away. Stop putting so much in the trailer. Like, I just want to see it cold, you know. But I'm like, well, Mark <laughs> yeah. would beg to differ. But <laughs> but I get it, right? I get it. Our fans are really like... They love the surprise of it. They love the twists. They love the surprise yeah, guests, and you, you know? And it's interesting, to, especially for reoccurring, because you're not reoccurring these characters often in very similar structures. So then it's like, you're no, giving a little bit of... It's always different. Yeah, Except for Black Lady Courtroom. That's always going to be in a courtroom. <laughs> Apologies for my tardiness, Your Honor. My client was stuck in a revolving door. What in the baby hair? It's a black lady courtroom. <laughs> black lady courtroom. Black lady courtroom. Black lady courtroom. Black lady. Yeah, y'all shouldn't be dancing. I have been sitting in this courtroom for 20 years, and I have never seen. I'm sorry, Your Honor. We'll melanin this popping. Cicely Tyson would be very proud. Why would she be proud of that? <laughs> All right. I like to call this evidence. <laughs> that was the, here. I remember that one because you're like, oh, well, either the option was either now they have other jobs and then it's like, or it's the same thing and, and it's the same character. Nah. It's got to be the courtroom. We'll be right back with more Robin Thede, where we'll dive even further into this sketch and talk about why sketch is a form she keeps on coming back to and finds deep meaning from. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Zelle. The recruiter said all I needed to do was send $500 to cover mandatory safety training, and the job was mine. In a world where financial crimes are more and more sophisticated, there's a team that's got your back. Yee-haw! Come in, safe squad. We got a 10-3. Copy that, dispatch. We're on it. Hop in, Skip. We got a phony recruiter. Safe Squad. The crime drama everyone is talking about. I know it's only my first day, but that sounds like a pretty cut-and-dry job scam. Strap in, rookie. These days, criminals can even make it look like it's your bank calm. But that's where we come in. My what? It's my savings account. Compromised? No, I won't hold. No, I didn't authorize a $12,000 withdrawal. That's my life savings. Why don't you come with me? I'll show you how to report to the FTC. What payment platform did you use? Let's contact them, too. Don't miss the TV event of the season, Safe Squad. Hey, Ace. Yeah, kid. You're right. That was one hell of a first day. 
Learn how you can spot the signs of a scam so you don't have to call the Safe Squad by visiting www.vox.com slash HQ. Remember, never send money online to people you don't already know and trust. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Now back to Robin Thede discussing how to start a sketch. Uh, don't worry, later we discuss how to end one. To talk about this sketch again closely, the um, so it takes about 35 seconds for your character to arrive. Um, <laughs> I it, love that you know that. Well, it was pretty easy. You just timed it. In. But it takes 35 yeah. seconds. And there's some small jokes and you give glimpses of sort of dynamics. Yeah. Either with this sketch or in general, how do you think about starting sketches? Always with a joke. Yeah always with a joke um especially in, in later seasons we it was something i learned after season one because i thought the pace was a little slow getting in and out of some in season one it just be my perfectionist self mm. but it was obviously still very popular and emmy nominated and whatever <laughs> in season one but then we won in season two so i'm like all right season three i mean that's even the same with joke density yeah. it was like in season one i was like okay every third line needs to be a joke because that was something i had heard tina fey say back in the day <laughs> and then uh second season i was like all right Every other line needs to be a joke. By third season, I'm like, every line's a joke. Every line's a joke. The setup is in the joke, yeah. and then the punchline's in the next joke. And it just it's just always a ping pong. It's very rare that someone isn't saying some type of joke in every line at this point. Um, uh, sometimes it happens because you need, like, a strong setup that isn't jokey. But, you know, for the most part, every other line for sure is going to be a joke. Um, but in terms of... How do we start the sketches? We know it's going to be a joke. I, I think about the best example to me. And so it's just a stupid joke. Yeah. Like, Gel It Like It Is was a sketch in season two where Gabrielle's character is a nail tech and she's doing my nails and they're in the middle of gossiping and she says, Come on, girl. So I looked his pet out and I said, Who you think you talking to? I know that's right, Kima. My thing is this. Don't have me looking around for you like you want to, okay? By the way, I cut Buffett's ex. And it's just stupid, but it tells you automatically the relationship between the women. They like to gossip. They know each other. Um, and we're off to the races because every sketch has a beginning, middle, twist, and end. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the twist comes out a different place. Sometimes yeah. the twist is like two seconds in, but um, we like to upend what people think the sketch is going to be. So um, in terms of getting into it, we know that beginning is usually just that establishing joke and the middle will be introduced right away. Yeah. So gel it like it is gets into it pretty quickly as well. They start fast talking and ping ponging back and forth and then you ride that wave. Um, like you said, it's about 35 seconds before Annie comes in. So that's about, that's the beginning. Yeah. 35 seconds is the beginning where we're establishing the characters. Um, uh, Sky's character says to Gabrielle's character, what are you a finger painting from my baby girl? Because I'm so happy you made it. Double meaning, made it to the party, made the finger painting, right? Yeah. So it's a simple joke. It's not like going to have you falling out of your chair, but it's it's already going to establish the mom has a baby she cares about. It's going to establish that she's 
uh, obsessed with juvenile things and baby things because even her joke is about a child's painting. She's proud of her child and she has a really good relationship with Jerry, her friend who just came in. All in that one joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So that's the thing we really drill down on with versions and versions and versions of the sketches that we continue punching even in real time. Um, and that drives my writers nuts. I think about it to that level. What is the joke that's going to tell you all the things you need to know so that within 35 seconds, by the time Annie comes in, you already know the game. Yeah. And, well, you don't know the game, but you know the characters, you know the setting, you know the situation, so I can upend it right away. Yes. So then in the middle, you see it, I'm not a child. You're off to the well, race. Well, you don't know. Well, it's the same, the same thing. You have yeah, to the same you don't thing, know. Because you don't yeah. know what the show is doing because it could be like yeah. wait is she just gonna play a baby in this yeah that's true so you needed both um gabrielle's character and ashley's character to do the same thing which is yeah establish their game of what their joke is because that's right a- ashley does the thing of like i i'm gonna need a sip to um see <laughs> yeah to, i'm gonna need a sip to see more of this party or something and then gabrielle says oh adopting a baby in this effed up world congratulations which is like oh okay she's happy for her but she's also kind of like angry i don't know or bitter or something yeah, about and, the world. and then it goes to the that baby was bjorn 30 years ago <laughs> and then you're off to the races yeah and, and then it's just joke after joke after joke so that baby bjorn joke and we've talked about a few puns already you yeah. you have uh, a good amount of them what is your feeling about these <laughs> yeah what is your feeling about these puns obsessed obviously i am you know i am obsessed with a pun there are two types of jokes that are my favorite well three um I am a sketch and comedy nerd and I wrote jokes for many, many comedians throughout the years. And so I had to learn the science of jokes and I had to learn the types of jokes that people tell. Mm -hmm. So ask me about any comedian. I can tell you the types of jokes that they tell. And there usually are only three types of jokes any comedian tells. Um, and that's why you that's why you know their comedy. Yeah. You know, that's why you know Eddie Murphy's comedy. You know he's a storyteller. You know he's gonna do characters, and you know he's always going to upend your expectations, right? Those are the three he's going to do. Um, you know that Richard Pryor is gonna challenge your way of thinking about reality. He's also a storyteller, masterful storyteller, but he's going to challenge the way you see normal everyday mm-hmm. situations. It's very different from Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is going to take characters from your life, his life, other people's lives, and challenge you to get to know them in these stories that are gonna upend your expectations. But it's very different. Um, you know, um, so with us, the jokes that I really like, but they're not. I'm not the only one writing jokes, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's a million types of jokes on the show. But the jokes I really like, if you're asking me what kind of jokes I like and what kind of jokes I write, they're puns, for sure. Uh, reversals, where you think something is one thing, but it goes a totally different direction. Um, and metaphors. Yeah. So that's like, I remember on my late night show, one of the jokes that still makes me laugh is like, um, that... Uh, uh, Trump was jumping to more conclusions than Drew Hill in the Tell Me video. And that choreography, for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know what I'm talking about, is them just jumping up and down the whole time. So, you know, I really like metaphors. I really like reversals. Stephen Colbert is the king of reversal mm-hmm. jokes. He will start you on, down one path. You think you know where it's going, and he's going to pull the rug out from under you with a fantastic punchline. Yeah. You told me to get really nervous. This is great. This I'm, I'm like, okay. this is exactly what because I feel. I mean, it, I think it's. But real. I think people think we're just writing stupid jokes where I'm going, what up on three? And I'm like, there's so much. This is why my show is so hard to work on. And this is why they're Emmy nominated and our editors are Emmy winning because they're the final writers. They're constantly yeah. adding jokes also. Um, and my actors are so brilliant. I truly am like so bummed that they're not getting more recognition. And I hope that in the future they do because I, I cannot tell you like, um, I just wish if people could be on set 
It's why we harp so much on the outtakes. Mm. It's why we don't do bloopers. I hate when people call them bloopers because they're not bloopers. They're extra jokes. They're outtakes. And there's a difference. I know most people don't know the difference. Most people think skit and sketch <laughs> are the same, and they're not. So I'm just, you know. I, I, that was another don't Okay, yeah, we'll get to that. Well, let's take a moment <laughs> because you brought it up, and we don't have to bring it. What is the difference? You, you, a Chicago-trained person, hate the word skit. I oh, I hate it in relation all. to the sketch show. I don't hate sketch, it, yes, it yes, as yes. in its true form. Yeah. Right. So tell tell the tell the children. So what is children, it? listen. Um, no, um, a skit is something you do in like a junior high school pep rally where the football yeah. captain puts on the cheerleader skirt and prances around. Which again, very problematic these days because fluidity <laughs> should be respected. But um, a sketch is something that's written, and and as you can hear, if you've stayed for this long in the podcast, bless you, um, that you <laughs> that. Uh, there's so much thought that goes into this. I mean, that one opening joke for Sky, we had we worked on that one joke for I don't know, an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Like, and there are literally thousands of jokes in the show. The man, the yeah, yeah, yeah. the lady hours. I was gonna say man hours, but the lady hours that go into to all of this are really intense. And then once we get on set, what the actors improvise on top of what's already on the page is truly mind blowing. And so, um, you know. For me, yeah, are, are that's sketch, yeah. right? And a skit is just something that's usually not written. It's just kind of silly and funny. It's very funny, though. I, both can be equally as funny, by the way. I'm not, it's not pejorative. It's just that you're taking away the writing component and the production component when you say skit instead of sketch. Yeah, skit is a scenario that you're just like can play around. Or it could be a character. Sketches. It could be a concept, yeah. too. A skit can be any type of comedy. It just doesn't have the production value, and usually it doesn't have the writing it can yeah, have yeah. some writing, but typically they're not really written. Yeah. I want to add, what other jokes do I want to ask you about in this one? Um, the prank, right? Gabrielle says this is a prank from the uh, adoption people. Yeah, and then, from the child welfare system, and, the overworked and child welfare like, system. Yeah. Who knew the CPS had jokes? Yep. Um, which I think really Commentary. How, <laughs> how your show does ground it, right? Yeah. It's like, because people are like, this sketch isn't grounded. This person's playing it. Adult, Super grounded. But like that is, I think that is exactly the moment because that's like a really, in that moment, especially Ashley's character is conversational. She's talking absolutely. like just like a person. Absolutely. Is that how you think of it? Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's what we strive for. And it's good because in season one, when we would talk about it, you know, the actors, we would have these long, really arduous rehearsals. And now we just, I mean, we still have rehearsal, but it's really just a play. And it's its like, yeah, yeah we did that for 45 minutes. We're good. We're like... <laughs> We just know it so well. We know each other so well. And um, it's really fun because it's just about riding the wave of each other's comedy. And we know where to double dutch in, you know. And um, the grounded part is, well, it's something Ashley does really well. She can be very goofy. But I think the the nice part about her is she's the anchor in a lot of ways of the cast in terms of the groundedness. Because even in the most absurd situations... Or even saying the most absurd things, she always just feels like a real person. Mm. Whereas, like, I think, I think Gabrielle does that really well too. But she also has a gear that none of us have for the absolute absurd. If you see her in the gang orientation or gang retreat sketches, Elisa. Welcome to the Coral Reef Annual Corporate Retreat here at the Serenity Wellness Resort and Spa. Blippity blippity. Yes, yes, yes. As you know, it's been a tough year in the banking industry. Recruitment is down 27% from our prison to reef pipeline. 
Our mergers and acquisitions team, they failed to gank real estate from the Second Street stabbers. And people thought that our drive-by mammogram mobile was a food truck. But Sky and I tend to live above the clouds a lot. And so in each sketch, somebody has to be the anchor. It's not always Ashley, by yeah. the way. She's very goofy in, you know, a lot. But um, I don't tend to be that as much. I think I was kind of as the devil in Ashy Sunday. That was a little more... I don't know. It was still kind of broad, but at least I wasn't like cartwheeling <laughs> and jumping around or whatever, screaming, which I tend to do in most sketches. Yeah. For me, weirdly, Annie's very grounded because her look isn't, the concept isn't, but, you know, she's not like goo goo gaga you know, she's kind of like, yeah, yeah it's, it's very matter, matter of, fact, of fact, but, but it is, it is still silly and broad, but um, yeah, I think, but we do definitely have those moments in the writing for sure. Like in the writer's room for sure. And then once the yeah. performance starts, we kind of can't control what happens. Well, I think that my favorite part of the Annie portrayal, and I think the physicality is like what's really interesting is when Annie starts smoking, <laughs> right? So Annie starts smoking and you, the, your physicality sort of changes in the, and it's, it, you have to watch yeah, it. If, if you have not it, watched it, this like podcast incredible. has been very confusing for you. <laughs> but you'll get it. But like there, you, it's just so casual how you start smoking as this person. Like you don't do it like it's a joke. You do it like this person's Correct. been smoking there. And that life. was intentional. I didn't want to smoke it like a child would try to smoke. She basically the cigarette's yeah. just hanging out of her mouth like she's she puts it in when she wakes up and it stays there till she's gone to sleep, you know? Um and even the way she takes it out of her mouth is very, you know, whatever, uh uh very uh, Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> It is very 30s. Like, who smokes like that? You know, it's stupid. But um, yeah, I think we think about all those things. And I think once you've developed the character, once I knew who that character was, then it was easy to, you know. But it is. We yeah. think about all those little nuances. And I mean, not in real time. It's just you've developed the character. So it just it's in your body how that would happen. But I never think to smoke it like a child with like both hands or something like that. I wanted yeah, to yeah, smoke exactly. it like an yeah, adult. Yeah. Cause, and that also helps so, the punchline, so right? Yep. She says, look, now she's picked up smoking. And, and uh, Harlan says, picked up? She looks pretty good at it, you know? So I think that was also the intention to, to yeah. support the joke, the punchline. So then the ending, sketch ending is very hard. A lot of sketch, some, some sketch shows just Some don't. don't do they just, they yeah, just go to black. They do a hard cut. Jump out cut. of the window, whatever you do, yeah. <laughs> you, we work you really hard endings. on endings. There's also this, and there's a twist. The twist sets up the ending, even though it's, you have like a Kaiser yep. Sose reveal. Can you talk? Can you talk about sort of thinking yeah. about that ending and endings in general? How you think about yeah. them for your sketches? for this sketch? It was very easy because again, it was ripped from the headlines, so we knew that the woman was yeah. going to be an adult. But how we revealed it was going to be specific to our show, right? So my character uh, walks in pigeon toed like a little child, and we're shooting her from the feet, and then she starts crip walking, which is our version of the Kaiser Sose straight straighten up, and um, and then. Uh, Jerry, who's being kicked out of the house, turns around as she hears this happen. And she says, you little beep, you know, and she she and then my character says, that's right, Jerry. You know, I'm going to rob this place. If you don't tell me, I'm going to cut you in, you know, and um, it's a very short ending. And they just barter yeah. really quickly, whatever they agree on. She says, what up? It's a deal. And she goes to shake her hand with her three fingers. And, and that's it. So I think for me, it's about. I don't want to belabor endings. I want them to be quick. 
Um, and I want them to leave you still laughing. I want you to still be laughing by the mm-hmm. time the sketch is over. So the twist in the end have to be almost simultaneous. Some yeah, of them get yeah. drawn out. Snitches get cross stitches. It was the twist happened maybe a minute before the end. So it was a little bit longer because we had to reveal that the women were trapped in the attic um, in a house with women that are obsessed with signs from Home Goods. This is what I get for trying to make friends in the Home Goods. Ugh. Get out. Get out. Who the hell are you? I'm Regina, the new friend that Jocelyn brought to meet Didi last week. I talked to them before they had their coffee. Now I'm stuck in working in their inspirational quote sweatshop. Holy shit, why don't you just leave? <laughs> we try. Oh, we try to leave. We try. We build ourselves an inspirational ladder. It's too short and it mocks us. Live life. Love. Ha. More like cry, starve, die. Y'all up there dying? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, we are no, I'm out of here. Well, good luck with everything. Maybe I'll call 911 when I get home safe. I gotta go, though. Hey, look over there. Y'all didn't even budge. Okay. Uh. Good friends know how you take your coffee. Great friends know how you take your booze. And the best friends help you run an inspirational quote sweatshop. No! Um, But that's more of a genre Mm -hmm. twist. You know, that's like, oh, shoot, now the sketch is a horror movie, and we didn't know it was. So those take a little bit more of a time, but with What Up on 3, it wasn't a genre twist. It was just a, a... um, character twist, really plot twist, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So those are easier, and they really shouldn't take more than fifteen seconds. So you can get out of it because we really want yeah. you. To, the middle's where you're enjoying the sketch, right? And then the twist just leaves yeah. you satisfied. And I think we've done it better than others in some sketches, but I think in season three we did it the best we've ever done it for sure. It's organic, and it's not. I mean, it's not, and it's not only just like fade no. out into like another world. Like, oh, they're watching this. You know, there's a lot of tricks that people do and i think you do it fairly organically but even that i want to shake up even that i want to like challenge because i don't want to get too predictable i don't want to be like all right there's a twist coming so in season four i'm like challenging like what can we do what can we do to like yeah yeah where can you put the twist yeah or like i don't know yeah maybe it's more than one twist maybe it's no twist but a change of scenery or maybe i don't know i mean i do like mr show and i don't mind when sketches fade into one another we just haven't really done it on here because the world People didn't know the world did exist on the same plane, but now that the world does mm-hmm. exist on the same plane, maybe that's something we can play with. But I think it'll still have the same DNA. But I'm excited to try different things. I don't want to get too predictable. Yeah, because then you can now, if these people are living in the same world, you can be in one building and then go to the next totally. building, and these are the same, opposed to having to go back to the correct reset. Um, talking to you and even listening to interviews, you are you are a student of mm. sketch comedy you know you've been watching it in your entire life you're really good at talking about it as a form and i think a lot of people just be like ah sketches are all the same and i think like you really have thought about the differences can you talk about also i i also wanted there's a thing that you said that i thought was really interesting which is learning not to worry about what other people say instead knowing um focusing on elevating the art form that you're mm. working in is is how you focus and know what you're trying to do so i want to sort of combine that and be like what were the sort of sketches that you watched or either individual sketches or sketch shows that you noticed formal differences that you incorporated or decided to subvert and then what were decisions you made to be like here's how we can elevate a form that's been around 
yeah for so long i mean been around longer than stand-up i mean it's been around oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean Ro- greek roman biblical days obviously yeah. as we've shown on our show yeah. uh <laughs> yeah. i think um look this is my seventh sketch show uh but the first one i created but I was, I, you know, I got to guest star on Chocolate News with David Allen Greer. I was a writer, performer, series regular on In the Flow with Avion Crockett. I did a sketch over TBS called A Guy Walks Into a Bar with Ted Danson and George Went and all these amazing people. And, um, you know, I've done a lot. Some of them never saw the light of day. <laughs> Some of them did. But um, throughout the years, I've also written sketches for so many people. And I perform live sketches. Yeah. I was 15 years old. And I still have a sketch comedy group at Northwestern University that... Uh, uh, a friend and I brought back to campus after many years. It's been there now consistently for the last 20 years. Um, and so, and I go back and they go, oh, this was you? You did this? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I am a student of sketch. And I think the things that I've learned are the things that didn't work for other people. But I also know that sketch is often ahead of its time. Um, sketch is often... Um, thinking in the future of what comedy can be and audiences aren't always ready. I know that audiences also get tired of sketch after a while. I mean, um, in living color only went what five seasons. Chappelle went two in a couple of extra episodes. Like, I mean, that's a different case, but still I'm just saying like, but you can be cemented in history and not have to do what the behemoth that SNL has done, which is incredible going, you know, what will be 50 years, but um, I don't have that kind of time. (laughs) <laughs> I was 40 when the show premiered. I don't have that kind of time, okay? Um, uh, but yeah, I think um, for me, it's about finding those things that I really love. That's how I came up with this formula of concept, situation, character-based sketches, mm-hmm. as opposed to these more scatter-based sketches or um, or one-note sketches. Um, uh, and none of those are bad. Like what I, what Tim Robinson, those scatter sketches that Tim Robinson does, and they're very character driven too, but, um, there are no rules for, I mean, there are rules because even those kind of sketches have rules, but what Tim Robinson does is absolutely genius. Um, what SNL has done, SNL can take one note, one joke and drive it home for six minutes. I mean, the cowbell sketch, it's so iconic. Landshark, like you can go back to the origins of the show. Um, yeah. People are like, "What is she talking about?" But um, <laughs> I think the listeners. I mean, one of my jokes. adopted grandfathers has has become Garrett Morris. Like he's become, and I mm-hmm. pick his brain every time I see him. I saw him a, a month ago, and I was like, "So in this sketch," and he's like, "Leave me alone." No, he's very kind and very generous with his knowledge. He was somebody who was doing legit drama on Broadway, and Oz got uh, uh, this incredible director told him. Lauren Michaels and the, the you know, not ready for primetime players are doing this sort of like audition or whatever. So yeah. he went and he goes, all right, I'll just go. But he didn't, he'd never done comedy. And he went and yeah. improvised a monologue that was so hilarious. He got cast on the show. And so it's those sort of people who did all the work. I'm just studying yeah. everything that's happened since 1950 and... Yeah. Learning. Right. I can't even take credit. I'm just like, I, from Benny Hill to Monty Python to SCTV to SNL to Whitest Kids You Know to Kids in the Hall to In Living Color to Chappelle to Key and Peele to literally everything up until Black Lady Sketch Show. I don't know every sketch, but I know most of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Show. I was Clearly. a huge fan of Mr. Show. So 
you know, and obviously Robert Townsend, oh my God, Robert Townsend blew my mind and Living Color changed my life. I literally was like, oh, I can do this. And it became a singular goal. And although I've done scripted and written for other things and blah, 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 and late night and all of that, sketch was always my home base. And I think anyone who's watched my career knows that this is where I'm most happy. Um, and so, yeah, I think oh, it's just been a long education, but self-imposed. I, I love it. I don't know why. I think characters as a kid who was like bullied and poor helped me kind of escape. And it's a, it's a really fun, who doesn't want to be somebody else sometimes? That's why people are obsessed with social media. Cause you, you get to look at other people's lives and see how they live. And that's cool. Yeah. I mean, there, well, not everyone has the ability to see characters and be like, Oh, I can also do that. I guess. No, maybe, maybe. That's, that's true. I mean, what I think, yeah. Cause I don't well, want anyone else's life. I just want to play them for three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think play is such a big part of it. When I was, thinking about your work and is what sketch shows do and is they create a space often they're like this is the rules of this place in which we can play yeah. in, right like second city is rooted in play yeah. theory and you started doing sketch when you were 12 like you know that's so rooted in it and like so much of your comedy education was through your relationship with your father who just like watched yep. comedy so you're like you know name me after robin williams is, he cursed me to this yeah so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like Comedy is love for you. Comedy is a a place that you can sort of be a part of yourself that can play. What? How do you create that space, and what does that space mean for you? Um, you know, you you sometimes would be like, sketch is important. What is important about it? What is what it is about the that state of play that is so meaningful for you? I think it's that it doesn't exist in real life, and it doesn't exist beyond about eight years old, and mm -hmm. we lose it. You know, I swore when I was a kid, I could see through walls and I had x-ray vision. I still to this day, I think I did. And my parents are like, okay, Mighty Mouse, you know, and because um, he had x-ray vision. And so they still call me Mighty Mo or Mo. Um, mm -hmm. But that sense of play never left me like it leaves most adults because my parents did encourage it. They weren't like, stop saying that. You can't see through walls. They were just like, they just started calling me a name. They made they made a joke of it. You know, mm -hmm. that's just their personalities. And so um, because that sense of play wasn't beaten out of me, um, figuratively or literally, as it is in some people, sadly, um, I think it just never left me. I, I am very, very in tune with children and animals. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's because I have that inherent sense of play that never left. And um, that's why Second City was so attractive to me, because you're right. It was yeah. very play-based and, um, and exploration-based. And I was never taught that I there was something I couldn't do, even though we didn't have any resources. I was never told that. Um, and I think I just grew up with a, a reckless confidence that I always kind of talk about, because I was just like, well, why can't I do that? Once I saw black women doing it especially, I told Kim Wayans this, um, mm. and if I'm ever lucky enough to meet Whoopi Goldberg, I would tell her the same, which is that um, they showed me it was possible. And once they showed me it was possible as a kid, then it didn't matter. It didn't matter if I submitted for 10 years to SNL and never got it. I got the audition and Lauren laughed, which made me happy. Yeah. And that was enough. <laughs> that was enough. You know what I mean? Like. I think some people are like bitter when they don't get stuff like that. I'm not. I'm so privileged to be in this same world. And to think that I would be here now, you know, last year being nominated only against SNL, right? Like mm -hmm. people are like, oh, you guys lost. And I'm like, no, we didn't. 
Like, of course, I made a joke about it at the Emmys and had a pretty viral moment where I, like, looked pissed. But it was clearly a joke, and they know that. All those people are my friends. Yeah, yeah, of course. But um, I am so in awe to be in the same conversations as these legends. I do think that. I think a lot of people often ask people who didn't get SNL, like, and they're hoping to, like, oh, fuck that place. But for the most part, it's such a freeing experience for so many people to be like, now I can... What it allows you to orient comedy around yourself, opposed to a sort of history in an interesting well, way. Well, the interesting thing is, I oriented comedy around a group of people, and when I did yeah. that, my career changed. Um, when it stopped being about the rundown with Robin Thede and became a black mm-hmm. lady sketch show, because it could have been called the Robin Thede sketch show, and some people do think it is, but it's not. It's really not. <laughs> yeah. Um, my career opened up for the good. Um, so I think making it as far as I did. And becoming friends with all those people now and watching them work in real time is like, I freaking made it. Like, I did. And Mm -hmm. I mean, my show is in two seasons, eight Emmy nominations and one win. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with season three and this year with the Emmy race and season four and whatever. But I'm already like, we already made history. Like, we have our place in history. So everything else at this point is beyond what I could have ever imagined. Truly. Yeah. The what's what's interesting looking back at like the people that have worked as writers for you or on the show. I mean, like especially even this year, it's like you know Quinta's success, but also Z-Way's success. Z-Way's a writer show. Io Debery, who's about to be on a TV show, I believe, was an intern on the rundown. She was a writer's assistant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Janelle James was a writer on the Amazing. rundown. Um, Amber was a writer on the first season of this, yep. and now she has her own yep. show. Um, how is when you think of your definition of success as an artist? Was it you know, how does that incorporate in it? And was there a time where it was hard to sort of um, get over the sort of scarcity mindset this industry creates? I guess I always, again, going back to that reckless confidence, I don't know, my parents just told me I could be anything and I stupidly <laughs> believed it. But I yeah, think yeah. I just was like, I never had anything. I grew up in a trailer park. Like, you know, like I didn't have anything. My parents lived in a place where they were like, don't go outside. Don't play with anybody but your sisters, you know? And like, luckily I got to spend a lot of time with my grandma on the South side of Chicago and my cousins and, um, in Chicago and LA and like see more of the world. But, you know, we grew up in a place that wasn't really safe. Um, and my parents always shielded us as much as they could. But I think for me, why did I start talking about my childhood trauma? What did you ask me? <laughs> I, I didn't ask about it, but give one go. No, it's I asked about the scarcity mindset. Oh, scarcity mindset. So I never really with, had that. Ca- so when, when I got yeah. into Hollywood, I didn't have this like crabs in a bucket kind of like, oh, if one person gets something, the rest of us don't. I never really had that. Um, mm. But I did have a very... So I started my career writing for comedians, Mike Epps, Kevin Hart, Anthony Anderson, at different award shows or sketch things or tours. I would give them jokes, whatever, right? All these amazing people took me under their wing. Then Larry Wilmore and Queen Latifah and like all these great people. And the thing I learned along the way as I wrote for others was how to separate my own voice from theirs. And then once I made it about me on my late night show, You know, Chris Rock, who executive produced it, was like, don't have any other correspondence. Have it just be you. And I think he was Mm -hmm. right. But at the same time, it was a little lonely. And I think in that year that I did step out on my own as my own person starring in the show, 
I craved what I had had for 20 years performing with all these mm -hmm. black women on stage, you know, the, at Improv Olympic, at Second City, um, jumping into shows at UCB or whatever. Um, I had performed with like eight or nine black lady sketch groups. And I really yeah. want Amber Ruffin and I had uh, were doing 227 the last episodes before I did 227 on the show. And um, yeah. Holly Walker is amazing. She was on the nightly show with us. She's on Sam B now. She wrote on a black lady sketch show. Like Holly and I did a two woman show for years together. Like, you know, so I had been doing all this stuff for audiences live in person, but I was like, it's time to do this on television for the world. And I knew that my happy place was being with others, not being alone. And I wasn't alone on my late night show. Like you said, you just mentioned all those amazing people that were there and they've all become huge in their own right. Um, and and I just think I find more satisfaction. I find satisfaction from watching them grow, but I find satisfaction from being able to help the on-camera people grow as well. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, yeah. it's not like I can take credit for any of those people's success. They are <laughs> yeah. all legitimately massively talented and they were when they came to me i just provided one of their platforms you know yeah, but in no fair. way take credit for any of their success you mentioned that the legacy of the show is already cemented and i think and regardless of what happens the words for season three but just sort of and i do think that's true and i think for a while like when people talk about robin Thede, it's like it's a like a series of firsts. The word yeah. first always comes up. They're like the first blah, 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 the first blah, blah, blah. And now it feels like, especially as you're going to a season four of this show, it's now a show. You're just creating a comedy show. No one's thinking about in terms of the legacy of it because it's sort of already cemented. Mm. How does that feel? How's it? Is it freeing to not have to think about and just like be a comedian in a way? To be honest, I never really thought about it. I mean, I, sure. I guess I carry it like a badge of honor, but it's also kind of a badge of shame for society. Like I shouldn't be having mm. firsts in the 2000s. <laughs> you know, I just feel like, what are we doing? But, um, and I also say this all the time too, if it wasn't me, it, it could have been any dozens of other black women comedians who could have made this show. I was at the right time with the right resume and the right pitch and the right yeah. partners and the right network and the right cast. Like it all was just, season one was lightning in a bottle. Like the more I look back on it, I'm like, I can't believe I did that, that we did that. But I can't believe mm -hmm. that I, I think about the true insanity it takes to think that I could create this. You know what I mean? Like, but I needed to and I was driven to. And so now it's less about proving that we can. It's more about enjoying the ride. Mm. and giving people what they've come to love. I think the audience is so important. It's the reason why I make the show. If I'm just making it for me, it's not going to stay on the air, you know? Yeah. But 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 I am the audience. I am the audience. Yeah. And I've been in the business 20 years. Uh, I moved out to LA 20 years ago this August. And um, some people uh, are just learning about me and that's fine. I love I love being underestimated. I love being in a position where people are like, oh, who's this? You know, because mm -hmm. then they get to form their opinions new. And, um, but yeah, I think over time, the, the, the hardest part has been not believing that because I'm the first to do something that I'm the best. Mm. I think I just, I take it response. I take the responsibility of saying, yes, okay, if I am the first to do something that I've got to bring in the second. I was the first black woman to be a head writer in late night. And I hired the second in Lauren Ashley Smith at the rundown. And then I hired her to be the first head black woman head writer on a sketch show. Yeah. So it's like, as I'm bringing people with me, they're having firsts. Mm -hmm. um, 
or now I'm bringing in the second, you know, or whatever. And I think that's critical because when I, Lair Wilmer told me something when I started my late night show, I said, well, I'm the fourth, right? There was Whoopi, Wanda, and Monique. So I'm not the first talk show host black woman. Mm. He goes, yeah, because it's going to be tricky. But he was like, but you are the first head writer in late night, you know, and then I was the showrunner of my own late night show and all of that. So it's like, he goes, when you're in those positions, you look, somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, and you look behind you to ask the other person who was there before, and there's no one there, mm. you know? But that's why him and John Stewart and Chris Rock and all these people have been such great mentors for me because um, they did give me that knowledge. Uh, but it would have been nice. You know, Wanda Sykes um, has been so forthcoming uh, with her knowledge and and with her support and and all these people have uh, there literally no one who hasn't because it's a small group of us but yeah it's just nice it's nice to be able to share those things and to be able to have these women who I grew up watching and who I look up to so much um, say yeah go get it do it I love it I want to be on it yeah it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now it's time for the final segment of the show. It's called the laughing round. It's like a lightning round, but because this is a comedy show, I, I call it a laughing round. Oh, was I supposed to be making people laugh? I'm so sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> um, you made, That's why we play the sketch at the beginning, so there's like sort of no more pressure to be <laughs> funny ever again. Is there a character or sketch that you wish you could steal or a it's not stealing like people, you'll get caught for stealing, but stealing in so much. It's a I wish I would have done demand. it. Yeah, yeah. Mary Catherine Gallagher. No question. Mary Catherine Gallagher. What a great character. What a perfect character. And she sacrificed her body for that character. It's so fearless. You talk about fearless yeah. performance. Mary Catherine Gallagher is literally the most fearless I've ever seen someone on stage because I think, I mean, she was on a TV stage, but still she would, she would bruise herself and bleed in sketches. And I just, I, I just find it so, it was so scary to watch yeah. <laughs> um, and so hilarious, but um, truly any character from a living color. I told Kim Waynes when she played Crystal Waters, this is a very deep cut. This is very deep. She just did a black and white music video that parodied an artist in the nineties. And it was truly <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, really anything Kim Waynes did or anything David Allen Greer or Damon did on in living color, literally any of those characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, the blind racist from Dave Chappelle, the Megan and Andre from Key and Peele, the Abraham Lincoln sketch, the Lincoln character that, uh, uh, which I'll oh, rest in peace, but from Whitest Kids You Know. Um, mm -hmm. um, and I like uh, so many. There's so many. Yeah. Sorry, this was supposed to go fast, and you made me start <laughs> thinking fine. about a million characters that I love. But yeah, literally. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Can I amend my answer? It's Benita sure. Batrell. It's Benita Batrell from Living Color, Kim Wayans. Hands down, final answer, Benita Batrell. Mary uh, Catherine Gallagher is a close second, though, just because of the fearless and the physicality. Got it. Yeah. Um, do you have a short story of an interaction with a legendary comedian, living or dead, that you'd like to share? Oh, my God. I mean, I think I've talked about some of them on here, Believe but um, <laughs> Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac told me, you have to give the audience a performance, whether it's one person or 10,000, you have to give the same performance. And if you don't, you're not doing your job. Mm. And I perform that way on this show the same way I would perform live um, because of him. 
Mm. So I think that was that was some of the best advice from someone who's passed on. Do you have advice for an aspiring comedy maker? Choose something else. <laughs> yeah, That's great. Here's that the thing. Counts. Here's why. I was never aspiring. I was always doing. Mm. And I tell people, if you're an aspiring comedian, you're not doing. So either stop calling yourself aspiring and be a comedian, whether you're a writer, performer, whatever, or get out of the game. Because it's heartless. It will ruin you. <laughs> and um, it has not ruined me because I love it. And I'm yeah. glutton for punishment. Um, but I... I always tell people, don't say you're aspiring. You're either doing it or you're not. You may not be paid yet mm -hmm. for it. You might not be the most trained. You might not be the best at it yet, but um, neither am I. I'm not the best at it yet. I'm yeah. not. I'm still learning. So, um, yeah, that's my advice is like really figure out if it's some. I, I didn't have a plan B because I didn't have a plan A. I only knew what I knew, mm -hmm. which was that I was a comedian, period. As yeah. a writer or performer, I didn't intend on being a showrunner, but I am because I wanted to make sure that the comedy worked, um, you know, and that I could take all those things I had learned from other shows mm. and apply it to this one. Um, and last one, do you have a, a sketch that you tried in any format at any time, either live on some sort of show that you were like, this is so funny. And then you tried it out in front of either an audience or writers and silence. 100%. And 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 what is it? But you'll go to your grade being like, I was right. Everyone is wrong, but this thing is Well, fine. what if I'm three? Just to bring yeah. it full circle. When I pitched that the first, when I wrote that steampunk version of it, and even when I pitched it the first time, they thought I was crazy. And um, rightfully so, because I had not nailed it yet. Um, and so, you know, but that happens all the time. There are sketches that I write and we bring them to our internal table read with the writers and they're like, yep, doesn't work. Holly Walker told me once, yeah, Robin, sometimes your jokes just don't land. <laughs> That's how they talk to the boss on my show. Okay, no respect. Friday Dangerville down here. Uh, but that's important. And that's why yeah. I hire people the way I do, because you need to tell the boss their joke is bullshit. Otherwise, you take something to television and the audience will tell you it's bullshit. And that is not what you want. Yeah. You want to know before it hits TV so that you can make it better. Yeah. Dan, that's the end. That's the that's the whole interview. Thank wow. So I love it. You Thank it. you, Jesse. This was great. Thank you for your amount of research. I really appreciate that. It was a joy. It's, you know, I love comedy and it's like fun to see people who like really love it and have thought yeah. about it a lot. So it's like, yeah. it was so exciting. I was so excited Yay. to talk to you. Thank you. That's it for another episode of Good One. You can watch a Black Lady Sketch Show on HBO Max. Follow Robin on social media at Robin Thede. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. Gotham Shrikishin did our theme song. Rate review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next Thursday. Have a good one. Welcome to Good One. Show about talking them jokes, mm, son. Hey, 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 good one. It's a good one. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? 
It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. 